Live from San Diego, California, we go live to the newsroom with your host for Nick's Nerd. Well, here we are. It's September 9th. A lot of things happening this week, but we're not talking about it because that's for next week. <laughs> but I am your host, Nick. This is Nick's Nerd News. Thank you guys for stopping by. It is time to talk about the nerd things. As always, once you guys, uh, you know click a subscribe button or hit a like, I don't know, one of those things. You can review us and post and check us out online on the on the interwebs, things like this. But you know what? We're not here to talk about that stuff. We're here to talk about what's going on, what happened in the last week or so. You know, I'm like I'm like uh last week tonight without the catchy theme song, without the white void, without the British accent of John Oliver, you know, I'm uh, talking about the things that happened in the in the past at this point, but you know what, you know what, let's just, let's just see what's, what's going on, folks, how about, let's, uh, let's do that, why don't we, anyway, anyway, let's get into the thick of it here with, with what's going on in the video game world, and what we're going to start off with today is we are going to look and talk about, we're not looking at anything, to be honest, because, you know, this is a podcast where you listen to things. Anyway, we are going to talk about Marvel's Avengers, which released last Friday, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, which is a remake, and we're going to talk about Marvel's Avengers first, Okay. And this game, it's not terrible, like I thought it would be, you know, not gonna lie, it looked not great when, of all the gameplay we saw. It's not great either, it's a solid six and a half out of, uh, six and a half, seven out of ten. I'm, I'm gonna say that now, not gonna lie. Six and a half, seven out of ten. I'm gonna say that before I even keep talking about the game, because... While it is fun to play, and Kamala Khan is probably the best character to play as, considering she's like the main star, followed by a good... Captain America's a good solid number two, probably followed by uh, Black Widow. You know, and, and granted, I haven't played enough to get really into them, because it's mostly the... It, it's mostly the... the tutorial that you kind of play as them, and in... Before I even start talking about the main game, the tutorial is the clunkiest, most broken tutorial of a game I have ever played. Because when you play as certain heroes in the tutorial, and then when you start playing as them in the real game, they move so much slower, their their combat is, is broken in the tutorial, and yes, it's a tutorial, it's meant to give you an idea, but like, the Hulk moves at such a slower pace in the tutorial... Than he does in the actual gameplay. Before you even upgrade anything. Iron Man. Like that shit is straight broken in the tutorial. The flying. The the, the fighting. The shooting. 
it's all just jacked. Thor was the only, like, decent one to play in the tutorial. I haven't gotten him in the main game yet, so I don't know how that translates. Um, same goes for Captain America and, and Black Widow. But as of right now, Kamala Khan is the best character to play as in the game. Hulk is okay once you get his more hero powers and stuff. Iron Man's getting better as, as, as it progresses. I'm playing on hard, and I'm probably going to not do that anymore because game's hard as shit, to be honest, in, in a lot of places. And I'm probably about five or six hours in to the game. I know they said it's a lot more. It plays a lot like Destiny in terms of how the UI interacts and gear and all this, which, Jesus Christ, Square and, and Crystal, fix that fucking UI because it is... I've turned everything up, and it's still slow. It's not responsive on a lot of things. Uh, I play the UI in Avengers is almost, almost like how Destiny works, where like you have that cursor that you move around, uh, especially on your, like your gear screen and stuff. But Jesus Christ, they need to fix that because it is it is not it is not fun to use when you try to go to different aspects of of gear like it if you don't move the cursor in a certain spot it goes to the the one you're not working on and then you have to like go back and it's just it's frustrating especially on a game that shouldn't be doing this because a destiny had two games at this point that they could have used and based it off of anthem came out the division has been out like there are plenty of games as a service game that both square and crystal could have looked at to be like, okay, let's make sure we're not like this. And uh, not great. When it comes to collectibles, there's a lot of things scattered throughout the map. And some are fun, some aren't. And then they're all buried in menus and things like that. Which are better than what 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 Destiny did where you had to go online. So I will give them props to that. And just overall, things move kind of slow in the game just character movements everything like that and it's frustrating when you play a game where it moves at that kind of pace because it's like you know people move faster than this and a lot of quick time events for things and button mashes for doing certain things so i will say that uh, a few a few times already on missions i've had like your mission counter or kind of like your objective just disappear off screen you don't ever want that a lot of screen tearing i've noticed in some places and there are times where things are popping a lot of pop in you know things people were complaining about on the halo infinite reveal on what's supposed to be a next gen but this is happening on a game happening now that shouldn't be doing this because it's final build and it's out and the other problem is the loading times are fucking atrocious in this game. And I, like it, it it's 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 bad. And I know it's a games as a service and there's long loading times for games like this, but it's like it's been so long since I've had to sit through a loading screen like that mainly cuz I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty and some other things, but it's like all right, boys, wh what's going on here? The dialogue is okay. My biggest issue is with Nolan North playing Tony Stark. Don't get me wrong. I love Nolan North. Everything he does, he fucking kills it. 
He does perfectly fine as Iron Man. It's just when you come off of the MCU and people who might not necessarily read the comics, but they're used to the the Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, Tony Stark, and then if they're gamers, maybe they don't read the comics, but they know the movies, and then they played like Nathan Drake's all the Uncharted games. It, it just... I, I can't not see Nathan Drake because Nolan North, who is excellent at playing quippy characters, is is kind of doing that as Tony Stark. And it's like, all right, you're not Deadpool. You're not no, Nathan Drake. And I, I can't disassociate from that fact. And it sucks because I love Nolan North and I knew he'd probably kill it in the role. But unfortunately, I'm being distracted from the fact that I know him from other things. It's like, I don't do this with other voice actors that much. I, I don't, because, granted, I wanted to be a voice actor at one point, and I'm used, I, I can recognize certain voice actors to a point where I know who is playing who, usually. Like, oh, hey, that's John DiMaggio. Oh, hey, that's, you know, Mark Hamill, or Maurice LaMarche, or Phil Lamar. Like, I, I can pick out their voices. But, like, you can't even tell that Troy Baker is doing... um. Uh, the Hulk, not the Hulk, Bruce Banner, right? Like, Troy Baker is a somewhat recognizable voice in the gaming world. But then you hear Nolan North as Tony Stark, and it's just like, okay, it's Nolan North. And it's at some, po- at some point, you reach a certain plateau where it's like, okay, everybody knows your voice. So you try to mask it, or you try to do certain things. But I don't know if they, did, they didn't do that, it seems like, with, with him in this role. And they're just like, oh, just go be your normal self. Just go be your normal, typical character. And it's just like, well, now he just sounds like every other Nolan North character. And, you know, you lose you lose some some character traits there. So it's, it's a little frustrating there. And the game, like I said, it's fun. It's just slow. The UI needs work. It's clunky in a lot of places. It's hard as shit when it probably shouldn't be I, I don't know a lot of the times the world feels a little empty especially when they put you in maps that are like huge like there's a snow level you go to in the early game and it's like are, are you just doing this to show off the traversal and and how you can use Kamala or or is it like do they not know what to do because even then it they they already max it out for replayability and they have you do this they put all this stuff in here before you even have all her powers and it's like Okay, why why are you doing this? It's just, it's strange. And then, this is me nitpicking in one particular thing, but but there's a particular story mode that you're playing out, and it's like, oh, we're going to attack a city on the eastern seaboard. When they clearly mean Manhattan, and it's been in all the pre-menus and things up until that point, and it's just like, Really? You just can't fucking say New York City? You gotta say a city on the eastern seaboard? Who fucking talks like that? That's the most unrealistic thing ever. When it's you're talking about New York City, I don't care what medium you're in, it's always New York City. Because it's literally one of the most recognizable cities on the fucking planet. Nobody says a city on the eastern seaboard. And then, and then, here's me more nitpicking, and you can just ignore these last few minutes. <laughs> but it's like, you have a world map of the planet, right, of where you pick your missions, and they put stuff to say where it is. One of them says Utah, you're going to the something in Utah, 
and the fucking map markers in Mexico. Like, really? Are you fucking kidding me? Then the next thing, again, going back to the Manhattan thing, it's like, oh, you have a mission in Manhattan. But then it shows, like, an overview of this map, and it has Manhattan in, like, a mountainous valley. Like, really, dude? Like, there are plenty of other games that have a legitimate map that don't fuck around like this. Oh, uh, I don't know. Um, how about, here's one. Red Alert 2 didn't even fucking do that. And that game came out, like, what, 20 years ago? And it at least had a legit map in its pre, pre-mission screen? You can't even fucking do that in a, a AAA multi-platform launch title that's been hyped forever, especially around a premier franchise coming off the hype of, of Avengers Endgame and all this shit, and you're going to fuck up a map in the game? Like, it, it's the little things that some people will notice and nitpick, like me, but that's just me. And granted, that has no bearing on my review of a score of the game. It's the other shit that, that is. But it's like, how can you have a game like this and then drop the ball so blatantly? It's like, it's like LT back in the day, you know, when he was on the Chargers. The man almost never fumbled. And then when he did, it was like, what the hell? So when you see something like that in a game like this, it's noticeable. It's very noticeable. So... Granted, I hope, I hope it's not like this for the rest of the game. But, but like I said, the, the, the loading times are bad. It's clunky. The UI needs a shit ton of work. It's not clear on, on how to do a lot of things in the UI, which, which even going back, going back to gear, there's no easy way to compare it it doesn't really show the specs on everything and even then it it's all it's all superficial it it's not even cosmetic like you expect something like that after playing destiny and the division and anthem and shit you expect a lot of this stuff to have different visual flair and different cosmetic appeal and i know it's the avengers so you're kind of tied into certain things but it's like you can't even change that it's like you either you have this armor that you don't see and then you have the explicit visual representations um like the different uh outfits those are the only other aesthetically changes at like at least give credit to to nether realm and what they did on injustice 2 where like literally everything looked different all the color schemes could be changed but it's like Every piece of armor that you had looked different. Look at Destiny. Look at the Division. Every tiny different thing has a different look and feel to it. Whereas in the Avengers, it's just like, oh, you have a new um, piece of armor? Well, it doesn't change anything. Or, oh, you got a new new um, symbol for Kamala? Oh, you're, she's still wearing the t-shirt she's wearing. Oh, um, you know, Tony gets a different looking arc reactor. Oh, well, um, that's not going to change on how it looks. So, but like, that's fucking bullshit. It, it, it's, it's so limited in its scope when, you know, in the past companies have done things for different franchises. And it's like, yes, I know there's a, a visual medium you want to stick to, but at the same time, 
give players some some free form here and and take some liberties like like I said like Injustice did. Batman has a certain look to him, but then there's a lot of stuff you can change on his his armor and stuff in in all that. So in in, in a lot of ways Avengers is like a step back and then in a lot of ways it's a step forward on some things, but it's just overall it it could have been a lot fucking better and it just isn't and that's the most frustrating part and i really hope i really hope they're able to 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 fix that because it it it's it's annoying to say the least and it it's just it shouldn't be that way in a game like this coming out in 2020 two, three months before the next console generation. And it's just like, what, what, have you guys been in a bubble this whole fucking time? Like, it's just, like I said, it's not terrible. It's not great. It's like a six and a half, seven at most out of 10. And it's just, it's fun. I'll keep playing, but I, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what the long-term life is on this thing. Unless they make some quality of life improvements, for sure. But, out of one, at least out of the other games I got this weekend, Tony Hawk is by far a great, great release. So, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2, which I think is it's officially called, is a full remake, remaster of, of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, obviously, which is different from the remake that came out several years ago. And... This game looks great. It plays so smoothly and it it it's it's a lot different obviously than the remake last time which was just a new skin on the original game. This one from what I've read and things like that is they've taken the um skating mechanics and things like that from like uh, underground and stuff like that so it's a lot more more modern and fluid than, than the old ones, because I think in the original game you couldn't manual, you can manual. In this one, the visuals and, and everything has pretty much been built from the ground up, and it, it it's just, it's a great looking game, and having the original soundtrack plus new songs is, is also great as well, you know, being able to to trick out to Superman by, by Goldfinger is, is always fun, and it, it's just... Granted, that that song is is synonymous with Tony Hawk at this point. But I've realized that I really suck at Tony Hawk games, (laughs) playing this one, and just watching, like, other people do, like, all these massive combos, and I'm just like, I need to get my skills up. (laughs) Like, skills up big time. But it's it's really fun to play, and it's fun having all this back. I've unlocked, what, like, five levels in the first one and two in the second so far because I was just bouncing around just to just to ch- check out both and it, it's a great visual upgrade for sure and I'm happy that you can do a lot of stuff that you couldn't do in those games originally and what's funny is the first Tony Hawk game I ever had was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on Game Boy Advance and it's just it's weird playing those levels like fully 3D now cuz I never really got to before. So it's it's definitely like a mind fuck kind of in that instance. But 
I do appreciate that all the skaters are there, but in their current forms, plus some new skaters that weren't in the original game, so you get to see them and their style play out on these original maps, which is always fun. And it it's just... It's fun playing a game like this, and it makes me hope, it really makes me hope that they either continue with the remasters or come out with a new Tony Hawk game that's just that's just good. Because Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 was one of the biggest fucking letdowns ever, right? It was it was honestly just not a fun game. And it, it ruined the series. It, it pretty much killed Tony Hawk for a long time. And, you know, that was just unfortunate because it's a great series that's been around for a long time. And, and, and it's just... It, it's unfortunate that it, it had to happen that way. Because, like I said, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, just not good. And look at that. It's been five years since the last game. When they used to come out, not yearly, but, you know, every so often. And I think it had to do with the fact of who was making it. You know, Neversoft stopped making Tony Hawk games in, in 2007 with Proving Ground, which... Wasn't the the best game. Um, I don't even remember if I played that one, to be honest. No, I didn't, because it didn't come out on... I don't even know. Hold on. I don't even remember playing this game. At all. Wow. I think the last Tony Hawk game before I played that was... I'm looking at the series... So Pro Skater 5, which sucked. Pro Skater HD, which was okay. And... No, I didn't play that game. No. I'm just looking at all the games, the game list. Yeah, I think before that was American Wasteland in, in 2005. And that was one of the last good Tony Hawk games. Like... Yeah. We're talking about a 15-year drought... On good Tony Hawk games. Right? <clears throat> now. I would love. To see if they could. Do a remaster. Of Tony Hawk's. Underground. And. Underground 2. Colloquial, colloquially, colloquially. I can't say that fucking word. Known as Thug 1 and Thug 2. And. It would be nice maybe even to get like a Pro Skater 3 remaster. Because that would be fun to see. But I just I just hope. I just really hope that this game does well and reinvigorates the Tony Hawk franchise. I would want nothing more than to see the Tony Hawk franchise come back. And just be good again. Because we don't have good skate games anymore. And yes, I know there's some been some indie ones that people like. There's rumor of skate coming back. And I know EA kind of confirmed it. But it's like, it, it would be nice to have, you know, them back. And uh, granted, like I said, Neversoft made the original games that were so good. Vicarious Visions worked on all of them. In some capacity, and they're the ones working on. They are the ones who made the remake, one plus two, and and 
they fucking killed it in that regard. So hopefully they are the new stewards of the franchise and and take it to the next level because that is definitely something I would love to see them do. And if they come back with like a Thug 1 remaster, Thug 2 remaster, hell, a Thug 3 would be fucking epic. An American Wasteland 2 would be sick as well. It, it's just... Um, that's something I would I would really like, really like to see, but I'm I'm very excited. This is a solid nine out of ten for me, one hundred percent nine out of ten, and it's not perfect just because there's some things that have to do with like not microtransactions but like in-game stuff, and I just I'm like not great, so like it's just hard for me. But other than that, solid nine out of ten, and. I definitely would recommend if you guys love Tony Hawk and were cautious because of how bad Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 was, definitely consider Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2. Anyway, moving on. So Astro has announced, uh, Astro being some of the best makers of sound peripherals for consoles and PC, have announced that their new A20s, which will be releasing later this year, will have cross-platform functionality. So you will be able to use A20s on both your Xbox Series X and your PS5, a first for, for headset peripherals, if, if if I'm not mistaken. At least one's made specifically for gaming. They're usually just for Xbox or just PlayStation. Granted, they both have different wireless protocols that they use, and Xbox you know, has theirs. That, that's what allows um, cross-generational support for... Um, controllers and headphones and headsets and things like that. Um, PlayStation is more just straight up Bluetooth. But it'll be, I wonder how they were able to do it to get both in. They haven't released full specs on it as of yet. Just that it will have like a little USB dongle that allows for connectivity to both, I guess. Which is really nice. It, it, I don't know how the dongle works because they, they just said it's a USB connection. So it, it's not. I don't know how audio tech works, so I'm, I'm not going to go deep into that, but I'm sure they figure out a way that you plug the device in and it goes to both. But that's smart, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that will be buying both and having both, and that way you just have one headset across both. Granted, I'm not too worried, because I have a Steel Series headset that will just carry over, and I'm pretty sure my headset that I have for PS4 should connect with PS5 as well. I think they said the platinum ones that I have should carry over. I'm not entirely sure. If not, they're just another set of Bluetooth headphones I can have. But I, I I thought this was a really nice step and move from Astro to do, and it's not something you see all the, all the time. But that's definitely something that a lot of companies could go with moving forward for sure. Granted, they're still going to have... I'm sure companies are going to have peripherals dedicated to each one, because, you know, color schemes and things like this. But then you could also have one for both that's kind of generic looking. But who knows if everyone will follow suit. Probably not. A lot of other big news in the PC gaming world this week. NVIDIA has announced its full range of its new 30 series GPUs. Uh, with the GTX 3070, GTX 3080, and the new high-end GTX... Oh, excuse me, RTX 3090. And they have... So pretty much everything they revealed at their new event 
which this 3090 is a giant triple slot graphics card. So like most, most people don't even have PCs currently to be able to upgrade to that. And this this RTX 3090... Oh, these are all RTXs. I'm excuse, excuse me. I said GTXs. They're all RTXs as we move forward. And they're... Because I always say GeForce. GeForce. The 3090 has 10,000 CDUA cores and 24 gigs of video memory. And it's going to cost the big bucks. But it just... Everything looks amazing on these things so the g the rtx 3080 with 8704 qd cdua cores and 10 gigs of gddr6 memory and it operates at the fastest 19 gigabits per second and fastest i've seen and a lot of other outlets i've seen reported i've never i don't know i i just know that's pretty fucking fast they said it has 30 shader ter- teraflops 58 rt teraflops and 238 tensor teraflops which makes it twice as powerful as their RTX 2080 so twice as powerful as their current ones and that will start at $699 and will be available later this month on the 17th then we have the the GeForce RTX 3070 and it's their high to mid-range graphics card uh 5888 CDUA cores and has only 8 gigs of GDDR, GDDR6 VRAM. So not the GDDR6X, like the 3080. Um, this is... Let me see. It's still more powerful than their currently $1,200 priced RTX 2080 Ti. Uh, it has 20 shader T-flops, 40 RT T-flops, and 163 tensor T-flops. And it will have it's uh, uh, that's all that power about 499 that will release in October so that's not going to be available right away and then they have the RTX 3090 their BF GPU which stands for um did they say what it stands for they didn't and it's a triple slot GPU 10496 CD CUDA cores 24 gigs of GDDR6X video memory 36 shader teraflops, 69 RT teraflops, and 285 tensor T-flops. And could essentially allow for 8K resolution at 60 frames per second. And it will release on September 24th at $14.99. That's a big fucking deal. I'm sure that means big fucking graphics processing unit. Almost guaranteed, because BFG in, in, in games is always big fucking something. Like, big, big fucking gun in Doom. That is a beast, that thing. I Most people aren't going to be using... That, that. I don't even know... Like, who has a computer for three slot? I think I have a two slot. I might even... I only have a one slot, because I only have one GTX 1070 Ti currently. And, and granted, this will make the RTX 2080s a little cheaper, and I'll probably be jumping up to the next level soon, personally. But it, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that it's only been two years since the 2080s, and now these ones are coming out. 
I just... That's a lot of fucking power, man. Probably going to get really hot, too, in that in a PC case. But I've been seeing a lot more open case designs. But that's nuts, man. So if you guys are in the market for new graphics cards or looking to build a PC soon, keep your eye on those bad boys as they release very soon. Uh, Ubisoft has also announced after it leaked that their new Gods and Monsters game where you play as like a character in like ancient Greece. Not like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but more cartoony. Uh, has been renamed Immortals Phoenix Rising. And that's Phoenix spelled F-E-N-Y-X. And we should be expecting to learn more on September 10th, which is tomorrow when the second Ubisoft Forward takes place. I'm excited for this game. Always dig a game where you get to go and play around in ancient Greece with myth and mythology and stuff like that. So that is definitely something I'm keeping my eye on for uh, the future. We got, uh, we've been talking about it a lot the last couple weeks, but um, Warner Brothers had kind of like floated the idea and put up for sale Warner Brothers Interactive. Or AT&T, I should say, put up Warner Brothers Interactive for sale. Which came as a shock to many because people figured that you know, AT&T would want to keep a gaming division that's very profitable for them and makes, like, good games. Not shit games like other companies, but actual good games. I mean, when was the last time a, a game from any Warner Brothers Interactive came out that wasn't good? Like, Rocksteady pumps out masterpieces. Monolith puts out amazing games. NetherRealm, Mortal Kombat never fails to disappoint. You know, it, it, like, what... The only duds have come out of uh, WB Montreal, and that's just, they're not even duds. They're just not the same as, as you know, the Rocksteady Batman games. So, and then they had a great showing at DC Fandom last, last two weeks ago, so I'm guessing that probably helped in a lot of regards. But it's like, don't, don't get rid of your golden goose egg there, AT&T. I know you're trying to unload debt, but like maybe you shouldn't have merged with Warner Brothers to begin with. It's just this is a good thing, and then we don't have to worry about. Granted, I will say it'd be nice to see them those studios make games in other franchises, but I'd rather have them be the the stewards of of those franchises and keep making great games in those franchises than than anything else. That's that's for damn sure. Because I don't want them whoring out. I don't want AT&T whoring out their stuff to other franchises in the future and then have it all be shit. You know, because there, there, there's, a, there's a business decision to be made in that. And, and I'm sure they saw like, oh, maybe we should just keep these studios and keep putting out really good things. But who knows? Who knows what, what was really going on? Or if they just threw it out on the market to see what they could potentially get. We don't know. We just don't. Moving on to things that are more tangible. It's a lot of word I've been throwing around today. Really shouldn't be having to throw that word around. But anyway, uh, CD Projekt Red has had to come out and, and confirm that Cyberpunk 2077 will not be 200 gigs on, on your hard drives after like a sizzle reel shown off at uh, the NVIDIA show the other day where they kind of showed off games at 200 gigs, and then Cyberpunk was one of them, so people are like, whoa, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. I have to have 200 free gigs for Cyberpunk? And CD Projekt Red was like, whoa, whoa, 
Hold your horses here, folks. You know, no. It's going to be comparable in size to other modern games. That was just a flub or a fluke. No worries. So you guys don't have to worry yet unless you really legitimately have completely full hard drives because that could be a problem. <laughs> but um, here is something that I wouldn't hold my breath for. Hello Games, or the makers of... of um, God, what? Uh, Hello Games. They're the ones who make um, the spaceship game where you fly around to the different planets. Uh, no Man's Sky, that's them. <laughs> They've announced that they're working on something huge, ambitious, and big for their next project. Given what happened with No Man's Sky and how long it took them to achieve their goals, which should have, which were all promised at launch, mind you, I'll give them some slack because... You know, their their studio was flooded like a year or so before launch, so that caused a lot of delays. But when a company that has a history of, of bungling a launch and, and kind of over-promising and under-delivering, which caused a lot of animosity towards them and, and especially towards the game, when they come out and say something like this, you got to take it with a, like a, not a pinch of salt, but like, or a grain of salt, but just like a mountain of salt right you you got to be careful with companies when they say these things when they have a history of not delivering so while i applaud them for saying something like this and being brave to still make bold claims and stand up to that and and granted no man's sky is completely turned around and is a, a totally different game than than what it was at launch you still have to you know look back at at history and sometimes just Temper your expectations. I will say this. So if you guys are big No Man's Sky fans and you like what Hello Games does and are excited to hear something like this, just temper your expectations. That's all I will say. <laughs> anyway, Nintendo dropped us some good news this week. It is the 35th anniversary of, of, of Super Mario Bros. And they have announced a, a slew of different things coming for the Switch and, and just this year in general. Um, for for the, the, the Man in Blue Suspenders anniversary here. And uh, it was a special direct that they did. They announced Super Mario 3D All-Stars. So it's a new optimized version of Super Mario 64, Super Mario Sunshine, and Super Mario Galaxy. We'll also include Super Mario 3D World's Bowser's Fury for Switch. Wait, well, why isn't Super Mario Galaxy 2 in there? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Why? What? How can you have Super Mario 3D All-Stars? Was Super Mario Galaxy 2 not good? I only played the first one. Super Mario Sunshine's a fucking blast. And of course Super Mario 64 is an amazing game. But was Super Mario... I'm confused. I'm going to have to look into this more. Um, they also announced Mario Kart Live, a home circuit. So some kind of game with like remote control cars that you play with your Switch that have cameras on them. So that's kind of cool. It's like a... AR augmented reality type game uh, and then they announced a new Game & Watch so Game & Watch is what Nintendo kind of started making little handheld devices so on September 18th Super Mario 3D All-Stars will be released on Switch so like I said Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario 64 and Super Mario Galaxy I think it's only digital right now, I don't know 
Uh, also, like I said, you get Super Mario 3D World's Bowser's Fury. I guess Super Mario 3D World was released in 2013. So that game is going to be on there as well. It also came to Switch. It, uh, it will be released on Switch in February next year. Um, oh no, Super Mario 3D World will come out next year. I guess this Bowser's Fury, nobody knows what that is yet. Just Super Mario 3D World is coming as well. Which still begs the question, where is Super Mario Galaxy 2 and are they just not putting sequels in it? Which is then my question. I, I guess? I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Why do you have a collection of Super Mario 3D games, but then not have Super Mario Galaxy 2? I don't know. Uh, like I said, Super uh, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, uh, which is a like augmented reality game where you have little remote control cars that have cameras on them and you can race around your house as tracks. And then Game & Watch Super Mario Brothers, which is uh, the original Super Mario game on a Game & Watch. And it will have the lost levels, and it will have a special version of Ball, which is their game with a Mario makeover. And it also acts as a clock, and they said it will have, quote, 35 little touches to discover, and that will release on November 13th. Um, also announced is Super Mario Brothers 35, a Mario Battle Royale. So it's Super Mario Bros, and there's 35 people playing it, all competing online to see who the last Mario standing is while playing the original Super Mario Bros. And that is a digital-only game exclusive to Nintendo Switch. Online members get access on October 1st, and you can only play it until March 31st next year. What? The game's not even long-term? What? That doesn't... What? Nintendo, why do you do these strange things, man? Uh, they also announced that Super Mario All-Stars, originally released on Super NES in 93, which is upgraded versions of Super Mario Bros., Super Mario Bros. The Lost Levels, Super Mario Bros. 2, and Super Mario Bros. 3, with 16-bit graphics, will now be made available on the Nintendo Switch. Um... There's also in-game celebrations on Mario Kart Tour in Super Mario Maker 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Super Mario-themed Splatfest is coming to Splatoon 2 in January. And then in March, um, new Super Mario-themed Animal Crossing furniture will be available. There's also a collectible pin set you can buy. And that's it. But a lot of people heard that we were getting remasters of the Super 3D Super Mario games. But now it looks like they're just optimized original versions, which is kind of shitty, too, at the same time. But So uh, I'm going to point this out, too. Super Mario, or the, the Super Mario 3D <clears throat> All-Stars will only be available digitally until March 31st. Still don't know if that's like an, a permanent end date or... I just... I am very thrown off by all that, just in general. But get it uh, later this month if you never played the original three or never beat the original three, at least. I know a lot of us as kids don't always beat games, but 
uh, a collection of the 3D Mario games, Sans Super Mario Galaxy 2, will release on September 18th. Um, Ubisoft has also announced uh, The Division 2 is getting a new PvE endgame mode. It is a new 100-story skyscraper that is being added to the game. And it's uh, coming in a future update. It's called The Summit. It'll be part of their Title 11 update. And it's a PvE mode focusing on adding replayability to the endgame by offering environments that change between floors, different factions. Um, you'll be tasked with clearing all 100 floors of the skyscraper with rally points and tricky boss battles every 10th floor. And... Oh, that's cool. If you beat the boss on level 10, you can go back to level... You can start from level 11 instead of having to go back to the start. Uh, it will be free to players who own the Warlords of New York expansion and the mode. Um, it's going to hit test PC test servers very soon. Cross-platform has not been announced. But that will be a new endgame feature coming to the Division 2. I wonder how big... The numbers are on that game still, if people are still playing it or not. I know a lot of Battle Royales have come out and other games of a service have just like obliterated numbers on a lot of things. But I wonder if people are still... Granted, I'm sure if they're adding a, a update like that, there has to be a large player base to, to warrant that. I'd assume. I'm, I'm not, granted, I'm not entirely sure what their player numbers are anymore. But that's something cool to play if you have their Warlords of New York expansion. Anyway, uh, if you guys are big fans of Shenmue, well, you're in luck. Shenmue is getting an anime coming to both Crunchyroll and Adult Swim uh, in some time in the future. So if you guys are big Shenmue fans, and I'm sure there there's people out there, if you don't want to have to play the games, you'll be able to watch them play out in anime f form now. I mean, that's cool, I guess. That game has just a fun history really does. Also, uh, final bit of news from CD Projekt Red. It looks like they have announced The Witcher 3 will be coming to next gen next year. It will be a free upgrade if you already own the game on PS4 or, or Xbox One. And it will be enhanced for the next generation. Which isn't surprising because they've, they've kind of enhanced that game for... PS4 Pro and Xbox One X and obviously on PC you can jack the settings up like to like a ridiculously high level so it's nice to see CD Projekt Red supporting that game well into the future almost like Bethesda and and uh, Skyrim except you know CD Projekt Red doesn't charge you for it <laughs> but that is it for gaming yeah wow we spent almost an hour today talking about games because had a lot to talk about Marvel's Avengers and Tony Hawk. But that's not stopping us. We're going to keep chugging along here. Let's see what's going on in TV land, shall we? Um, HBO Max has announced a reunion special for Fresh Prince of Bel-Air to air later. Uh, they haven't announced if it's going to be later this year or early next year. But they are expected to start filming it tomorrow, September 10th. So just be on the lookout to see uh, if that is coming soon or not. We'll talk about it as more news comes. They've already announced some cast members. 
including DJ Jazzy Jeff, will be included. Uh, will Smith's production company is producing it, and it will include camp like celebrity guest stars and musical acts as well. So it's not going to be just a your typical reunion special. We also got a new trailer for the Camp Cretaceous Jurassic World show coming to Netflix later this month. Gotta say, it's given me a lot of Jurassic Park 1 vibes, and that's a very good thing. It And granted, it, it is geared towards children, but it doesn't look like it's a very children-focused show. It looks like it's still going to have some adult stuff, because there's definitely some scary shit going on that isn't really for kids. It's probably like a young adult like teenager type show not exactly younger children granted i think the jurassic park movies have always been like pg-13 so you know that that makes sense um in in that show not being exactly children focused but i am i am excited to actually check this show out it is definitely something that you know it's it's not what was it? I'm trying to think. Was there a Jurassic Park cartoon when I was a kid? I I want to say yes, but a lot of the stuff I watch on YouTube tells me I think it was always all canceled. And I know there's been like that Lego stuff and shit, but that that's not um I mean that's not cool. That stuff's dumb. I don't like the Lego. As much as I like Lego and I like the franchises they play around in, I do not like their their programming because it's it's so fucking childish. But like, I think all the Jurassic Park movies were PG thirteen, and I'm thinking this is going to be like the real first like cartoon in the Jurassic Park franchise. I'm I'm currently looking it up as I say all this, so I'm I just yeah it is their first animated series. Holy shit! Because I know there was supposed to be one in the '90s because I had the toys for it, and it was canceled. Okay, so I'm I'm ex- excited for this. And it, yes, it is it is cartoony, but but it looks better. So um I am gonna definitely watch it, and we will talk about it here on this show. Netflix has also announced that David White, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, you know, the creators of Game of Thrones, will be joining Netflix, and they will be adapting the French novel The Three-Body Problem, or Rem- Rem- Remembrance of Earth's Past. And uh, it was written by Liu Cixin. I'm fucking that up big time. Uh, this is per a blog post. They said it's it's. They shared all the details and that they've been granted the rights from from. The family, I guess, to do the English language adaptation, um, per IGN. I guess the first book in the trilogy quote tells the story of humanity's first contact with an alien civilization. And it's about all all of humanity vulnerable to the same external threat quote. Um, quote, how this both unifies and divides humans. The author has joined the project as a consulting producer. Um, along with the um, English translation writer of, of the books. Uh, the writer for True Blood. And uh, Alexander Wu is part of the creative team as well. Um, 
that's part of their big deal. Ryan Johnson is producing as well. Oh, that's strange. And, uh, quote, David Benioff, D.B. Weiss, and Alexander Wu have experienced tackling ambitious sagas over time and space. Ryan Johnson and Ram Bergman have long dazzled fans with thrilling and mind-bending effects, uh, said Friedlander, um, who is the Netflix VP of original series. Uh, he also said, quote, as ardent fans, it was especially meaningful to us to get the support of Liu Cixin, who created this expansive universe. We all share the same goal to pay homage to this incredible story and take members on the adventure of a lifetime. So, and they they go on in a blog post about all and all about all the the different things. And oh, you know what? Never mind. Why did it say French? It's Chinese. Excuse me. It is not. It is not French. Where did I get French from? I am wrong, folks. It is not a uh, French book unless it is i don't know dude i don't know anymore it is chinese i'm sorry forget what i said but it is it is chinese and they are adapting it like i said uh, for netflix obviously trying to get the chinese market as all hollywood does nowadays but that will begin production sometime in the future clearly now do i trust db D D? anymore kind of um granted this is in the wake of their falling out with disney and, and lucasfilm so makes sense oh anyway that's it on that um anyway we also have finally gotten an announcement from disney plus in regards to the mandalorian season two despite not still having a trailer which should have been probably released a week and a half ago if Star Wars Celebration had still happened and I was going to be there. But, you know, it wasn't, and it was canceled, and I don't know why they haven't released the trailer yet. But The Mandalorian Season 2 will drop October 30th on Disney+. Plus. Where's the trailer, guys? Where the fuck is the trailer? You had a prime opportunity to take full advantage of Star Wars Celebration not happening and putting it online to keep people talking, but no. No, you're sitting on it and you're waiting and you just say, oh, it will be on on air on the 30th of October, but you gotta wait and see some other stuff. Jerks. But, um, moving on. Uh, Sony has announced that Silk, who is uh, an, an ally of Spider-Man, will be getting her own TV series from Sony, a live-action TV series. Sony Pictures Television is is, is working on it. Uh, she first debuted in 2014 Spider-Man Volume 3, number 4. Uh, her real name is Cindy Moon. And it looks like it will be written by Lauren Moon, who wrote Atypical and Good Trouble. And it will be executive produced by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And it will be executive produced by former Studio Pictures chairman Amy Pascal, or chairwoman, I don't know, head of the studio, I guess. Uh, they used to be, they were originally going to be making a film, but I think that got scrapped. Granted, a lot of Sony's extended Spider-Man films have been 
kind of scrapped recently anyway, so kind of makes sense in that regard. But I wonder how a TV show will work, especially a live-action spider-focused show. Granted, production levels are going to be very high, and they would have to find a network that's willing to pay those costs, or at least reciprocate those costs in some way. But it'll be interesting to see if it actually gets picked up by one of the major networks, if not maybe one of the streaming services, or even, you know, premium cable networks to see if it if it goes there. But that will be definitely something interesting to see, as we've never had like a live-action Spider-Man on TV in, in the 21st century. I mean, there was um, the Japanese Spider-Man show, the Super Sentai show, back in the 70s, but I don't think there's been a live-action Spider-Man TV in the West. Anyway, uh, Amazon has announced that they have cast Alan Richson, Richson as their Jack Reacher uh, in their upcoming Jack Reacher show, which will be based on the, the book The Killing Floor, one of the Jack Reacher show books. Jack Reacher was most recently portrayed uh, by Tom Cruise in the two Jack Reacher films that came out, I want to say, in the mid-early 2010s. Anyway, Alan Richson, Richson, you might know, uh, he played Thad Castle on Blue Mountain State. Uh, he plays um, Dove, uh, or a part of Hawk and Dove in the DC uh, Titans show. And uh, now he will be joining Amazon's Jack Reacher program. So he's getting some big name stuff now, um, now that he's he's been able to kind of expand beyond the little stuff in, in Blue Mountain State, of course. And, and granted, yes, he's had other roles, but it's nice to see him get a nice action role. You know, he's a, he's a big, large, muscular dude. He's perfect for an action hero. So it makes sense that he would get cast in a role like this. So it's, it's good to see that. And, and with that, talking about Amazon, The Boys Season 2 dropped this past Friday. And it was the first three episodes. And man, oh fucking man, is that... A solid start. It is a very different dynamic, of course, than than how the first season was and ended. Granted, all the characters are more, um, more confident in their roles, I guess you could say, because obviously, you know, you're introducing people to the characters in season one, so you got to flesh them out more. Now in season two, you kind of know everybody's place, so you can just kind of start going going hard in certain things. And I'm really digging the new character Stormfront. She just does not give a fuck about what she does. And it's clear that she's like a, she's like Homelander, but on like the opposite side of the spectrum in, in terms of just not caring about, um, collateral damage and things like that. So like finally seeing her like with all her powers and stuff was very interesting to see, especially in contrast to everything that had been going on in the season so far. And the, the dynamic, even on the, the team of the seven, is very interesting to see so far. It looks like the Deep is being, like, corrupted by some people. That scene where they just drove the fucking boat right into the fucking whale was ridiculous. And it's like, oh, this is what would happen if, you know, they went full ham with Aquaman and didn't give a shit about ratings. And, like, it, it, it it's it's... Just a lot better, and it's interesting to see how it starts out with, with Billy not there in the beginning, and, and how the team interacts with each other. 
it's nice to see the girl and how her brother have powers and everything like that. And it, it, it's, it's a different dynamic, of course, to see now that there's super terrorists, they're calling them, not super villains, even though Homelander keeps pushing for it. And when you thought Giancarlo Esposito's character would be the big bad for the season, they're kind of almost downplaying his, his role and they're, they're trying to make him like a foil to everything. So what I'm trying to figure out is is what the, the long term is on this and, and how that will all play out. Because it, it's definitely something different for sure. So it'll be very cool to see how it all plays out. Because now the boys are going to be hunting the, the soups or the, the capes or whatever they call them. I don't remember. And, and now these super terrorist type guys that, you know... If you watch the first season, Homelander kind of helped create. But at the same time, it will be interesting to see how the American public kind of react in the show with now, like, the whole idea between the, the, the superheroes being created and not born with the Compound V drug being, like, exposed. So what I, I can't wait to see is, is how it all plays out. And it sucks that they're doing it weekly. And granted, it's, it's more to draw a pipe than anything, but we'll talk about how the rest of the season goes obviously on a weekly basis here so stick around and stay tuned anyway moving on to what's going on in in hollywood in the movies so a lot of director's cuts are are being announced lately in in the wake um in the wake of of the snyder cut being announced and released and seemingly quite viable and and one of those is now going to be Rocky Four. Stallone is is redoing the film, re-editing it in a director's cut. And someone asked him, uh, he said, quote, for the 35th anniversary of Rocky Four is getting a new director's cut by me. So far it looks great. Soulful. Thank you, MGM, for this opportunity to entertain. Um, but someone asked about Polly's robot, and he said the robot's going to the junkyard forever. So that... <laughs> That's all we know so far about the changes. It's just Polly's robot will not be in Rocky Four, because that was the weirdest fucking thing, if you ask me. I just what what in Rocky Four needs to be redone? I I don't like I I don't understand. That's literally the best Rocky. I must break you. Like what? That movie is great. What what's changing? I I don't understand. Like that movie's good. Uh, what what can you change in Rocky Four? So I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. But con- opposite of that is, you know, now The Godfather Three is getting a, a its original vis- vision, Coppola's re-edited original vision to be released. Now. This might save the dumpster fire that is The Godfather 3. And it will get a theatrical release in December, and then a home release later. So this is coming a lot sooner than you might think. And, God, it's the 30th anniversary of The Godfather 3. But, anyway, honestly, I don't like this movie. But it's being retitled as Mario Puzzo's The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. So I guess that was what it was supposed to be called when it was originally made and Paramount got rid of it. And it restores the vision that Coppola wanted and Mario Puzzo had when they wrote it. 
Um, Copolis is quoted as saying, For this version of the finale, I created a new beginning and ending and rearranged some sheens, shots, and music cues. With these changes and the restored footage and sound, to me, it is a more appropriate conclusion of The Godfather and Godfather Part 2, and I'm thankful to Jim Giannopoulos and Paramount for allowing me to revisit it. How do you create a new beginning and new ending for a 30-year-old movie? Granted, you know, Al Pacino looks (laughs) as old as his character in the film now, so maybe you can do that. I, I just... Wow. Uh, It says they went through 300 cartons of negatives to pull out over 50 original takes to replace the opticals. That's nuts, man. Maybe it will... Maybe it will fix the, the, the problem that Godfather 3 was, but who knows? I don't know. A lot of people don't know, but if Francis Ford Coppola is doing it, and it's not anyone else, then hopefully it can be what he wants... Granted, your vision can change over 30 years, so I I don't know in that instance if he'll get to do what he wants to do, you know, and that's just something we're all going to have to figure out, but I, I'm excited to see how that goes, for sure. I just, one makes sense, one doesn't, so that's, that's what I'll say in, in that regard. We got a new trailer for the new James Bond film, No Time to Die. And this trailer is is filled with all the action we were dying for from the original. At least what should have been in the original trailer that came out months ago. And I hope this movie still comes out in November, to be honest. And it looks like it's going to be really fun. It looks like it's going to have a lot of good action, especially as a final send-off for Daniel Craig's James Bond. And I am excited to see where it goes for sure. And I, I can't wait to be in a theater watching it for sure. But that trailer's out now. Should definitely go check it out. And of course the movie is supposed to release this November. But we don't know if that's going to keep happening. Uh, the Batman has halted production once again. Due to COVID-19 concerns. Uh, this time several members of the crew have caught it. Including the star Robert Pattinson. Um, no word on when it will resume, if he is okay, um, how long he'll take to recover, anything like that, what's going on with the crew, we do not know. I know before the original shutdown, they said they were about 20 to 30% complete. Um, however, we don't know what's going on with the rest of it. They've not resumed production um, without without their star. Obviously, they want to make sure that that he is ready to go while they while they do everything. And it 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 is a strenuous thing for this to happen, especially to the star of a movie. And it it really makes you wonder: Is it worth it to go back? And you hope that this doesn't happen on on other films and. Uh, it, it just, it, this year fucking sucks, dude. And and it's unfortunate that this keeps happening. And it's unfortunate that, that it just, you want to make sure that we can get back to normal. And it's like, part of that is going back to work and getting things going. And part of it is also just making sure that everyone stays safe and, and things like that. And, you know, I've been watching Hard Knocks on, on HBO and it's like, these NFL teams, 
these players get tested and coaches on a daily basis. And it's like, you wonder, are the studios paying to do that for certain movies? Are they, and, and, and look at the Chargers and the Rams. They, they haven't had an outbreak or anyone with it. They had one person with it. They nipped it in the bud and then no one else got it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's just a crazy time to be alive. And it's like, yes, you want things to return so that you're not just bored as shit in your house. But at the same time, you want to make sure that people's lives and things like that aren't risk at risk anymore either. So it, it just, I wish Robert Pattinson the best. I wish any of the members of the crew the best. And I hope they have a full recovery. And maybe you just halt things until, I, I don't know, man. I mean, Jurassic Park went back to work and they haven't had a problem yet. I mean, there was a small issue on Malta, but it wasn't a major component of the film. And, and it just, shit, man. 2020 is just the fucking worst, dude. I'm just gonna ignore it in my life from from for forever. People be like, "Oh, how was your 20?" No, 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 no. It went 2019, 2021. There were there was no there was no 2020. So that just fucking shit, man. Fuck, dude. But uh, the director of the Eternals was being interviewed by the Hollywood Reporter, and. Uh, they confirmed, she confirmed, that the Eternals will have a manga influence and will also feature a Bollywood dance scene. So, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, actually. She, uh, The director said she wanted to use some of her own um, influences and, and things from when she grew up in, into the film and wanted to make it a, a different MCU film. And granted... The Eternals will be, because it will be one of the first real new character movies post-Endgame. And to see how that all is influenced. And it's going to be more cosmic and things like that. Plus, they have somewhat of a connection to Thanos and everything like that. So it'll be... I, I want to see where, where the MCU goes now. I, I'm not going to count Black Widow, because that just kind of ties in to how, you know, everything has just been done before. And and this is this is even gonna be different from like Guardians and shit. So so it, it's it's definitely just I I want to see what happens, and I I really hope that they're able to find like a team that that they can use moving forward. You know, with the Avengers gonna probably have a big shakeup in some way. I'm pretty sure Robert Downey Jr. said recently that that he isn't coming back. I, I just it'll be it's a new MCU moving forward. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. We also got a interview with uh, Hugo Weaving. And, you know, we all already know that, you know, it, it's he's not coming back as, as Agent Smith for The Matrix 4, which out of all the characters would make the least sense. But I just... He also now says that he has no interest in playing Elrond ever again. And, you know, that makes sense because there's no way for him to play Elrond anymore because, you know, he's getting older and elves are supposed to stay, like, the same. And, you know, didn't he go to Valinar or uh, wherever the elves go after they, they don't die but they take the boat to the west? So I don't see him coming back in the Second Age in the Amazon show, and technically it's a different, you know, team, creative team, and it's not tied to the Jackson films, so 
I, I don't see how he would come back as Elrond. And granted, I would love for him to be back as Elrond. But, you know, I mean, granted, actors always say they're not going to do it again. And then they end up coming back and doing it again. So, who knows, right? So, maybe one day he will. My, I'm betting probably not. But it's nice to hear something like that from him, I guess. Even though it's not a fun thing to hear. I, I don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, the final thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, there are some things that we're going to just shuffle to next week because they're nice, big, juicy topics, and I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time. But the the thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is now that, you know, we lost a great man in Chadwick Boseman, and we already knew that Black Panther 2 was coming, and I... I can almost guarantee that the heads up and the execs at Marvel Studios are going to find a way to transition the character out in a good way. I already know that Ryan Coogler will write a great story and a great way for T'Challa to be sent to the land of the ancestors, you know. So my thoughts, and granted this was kind of probably hinted at already, but but if if any character should take over as Black Panther, it should be Shuri, Letitia Wright, the the actress playing uh, Shuri or T'Challa's sister. And I I think that there there's really no other way to to really handle it other than to make her Black Panther. She's technologically smart. She's a genius in her own right. She can make her own inventions, and, and she can hold her own, as we've seen. And I I don't want a team-up movie, you know, where, yes, she can be with um, Okoye and stuff, and who did, um, who did what's-her-name play? Um, Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o's character. I can't think of her name right now, but granted, I just want a movie that has a nice transition to Shuri taking over. And I think that, granted, now that there's no more purple, I can't think of the name of the flower, but there's no more of those. So, like, she can use her technology and genius to, to fill in the gaps to become the Black Panther. And it it's something that I think will probably happen. And I hope that's what happens. I, I don't think any other thing would do it justice and I just I have the utmost faith in Ryan Coogler in how he will transition the character into the future of the MCU and the future of that franchise um, as it moves forward without Chadwick Boseman who just sucks that we lost him man and and if you want to see a tribute to him that ABC News did it's actually available on um, it's actually available on Disney Plus now but I, I just, I hope they transition Shuri into the role, and I think that would be the best course of action and would be a great way to, to make sure that they honor um, Chadwick Boseman's character, T'Challa, in, in the right way, and I think they will. And like I said, Ryan Coogler is the best director and to, to, to be the one to handle that. But that's it for movie news. Um, there were a couple other things I wanted to just cover real quick as we get deeper and deeper into the weeds here. 
Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the FBI is investigating two different circumstances where airline pilots flying into LAX witnessed a man in a jetpack flying up near the planes. And I'm not talking about just like normal jetpack height, which is just like 20 feet in the air normally. Like they saw them like up high and and they saw him at 30,000 feet. Yeah, we don't. Last time I checked, I don't think we got jetpacks that go that fucking high. Yeah, the FBI is investigating an incident that took place. This is per Fox LA near LAX. Um, an American Airlines pilot reported seeing a mystery person in a jetpack flying beneath the path of incoming jets. And, uh, quote, the FBI is aware of the reports by pilots on Sunday and is working to determine what occurred. Uh, he radioed the tower, which was saying guy in a jetpack at three, oh, 3,000 feet. Sorry, not 30,000. I don't know why I said 30,000 feet. But still, 3,000 feet is pretty fucking high. And... Yeah, they also said, I guess another pilot saw, okay, so jetpacks can fly that high, I guess, but it's uncommon. Um, this is per the, this is quote from Fox LA. Based on research, jetpacks can fly that high, but it's pretty uncommon. There's an assumption that people with the technical and financial ability to fly at this extreme height and near an airport would also understand the regulations around flying in LAX's flight path, unquote. Did GTA 6 just get, like, hacked into real life? There's a problem with the Matrix here, folks. But no one has come forward. Some people said it's an internet or social media stunt, but, like, wouldn't that be on fucking in the, the viral everywhere at this point? Um, the FAA, FAA is looking into it, and... The pilot said the, the jetpack was about 3,300 yards out of his window is where he saw it. First off, I didn't know we had jetpacks that went 3,000 feet in the fucking air. That, that's, I, I just, that's half a mile up. Like, that's, that's taller than, that's about as tall as the Burj Khalifa. You know, the, one of the tallest buildings in the world. So, I just, it, 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 it's insane. That means, what? What? No, what? I, I refuse, I refuse to believe this, man. I, I just, that's nuts, dude. Fucking nuts. But, anyway, maybe we'll find out the, 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 mis the mystery to this soon. But, uh, DC has also announced that they are making some changes to the Batman lineup. Tim Drake is officially becoming ba uh, Robin again after being Red Robin for quite some time as Damian Wayne is leaving the Bat family temporarily, maybe possibly permanently, and is giving up the mantle of Robin. I wonder how this will change up the dynamic of the Bat family, though, for sure. Anyway... But, interesting. Big, that's big news in comics, actually. Damian Wayne's been Robin for almost ten years now. I want to say, if not longer. But, um, we also got our first look from Lucasfilm at 
our young Yoda in what will be part of the, the High Republic series of comics, the their whole multimedia tie-in thing. Uh, they said this Yoda will be a little more, you know, he won't be... He'll still be as wise and still an established member of the Jedi Council. However, he will be about 200 years younger, which puts him uh, in the 700s. And he will be a little more traveled as he spends more time with Padawans going around the galaxy training them. And it will be interesting to see how this is plays out. Because we're used to the old, wizened, you know, hermit-type, um, very wise, older person Yoda. And this is will be our first chance to see, like, a young Yoda who, while still old in his own right, is still not as old or as wise, per se. And he's not the Grand Master of the Jedi, uh, in a sense, at this point. So the fact that it's a comic is a little more interesting because you get to see it, see him. But how it plays out will be very interesting indeed. But uh, final bit of stuff I just wanted to cover. Got some loot crate in, including a loot where uh, this time... Oh, two. I got two loot wares in, I should say. One old, one newer. Uh, the first one I got was... It was Star Trek focused, and it's all Star Trek, uh, Starfleet Academy stuff, like a t-shirt that says Starfleet Academy, and then like nice little gym shorts that are Starfleet Academy that are nice. I, I, I like wearing gym shorts. Um, this week's, this month's, is a Wonder Woman 1984 shirt, and it's got her in her new like Golden Eagle outfit helmet, and it just says 1990, 1984, and it's got her like lasso around it. That's a really cool looking shirt. Uh, and then a Lost Boys raglan tee uh it's black and red with the lost that says santa clara murder capital of the world and it's got like the vampire like over the city of santa clara it's black with with red black with red sleeves which is really nice and then i also got uh the august crate they're finally on time somewhat uh this is saturday mornings was the theme and it came with a spider-man cereal bowl a uh, Bugs Bunny Looney Tunes pair of socks and a um, like a it looks like a pop tart kind of deal um, like little plush toy I I don't I mean I don't I get it I get it but I, I don't get it at the same time it's called Yummy World Patsy the Pastry Tart Plush the socks are Looney Tunes, and they have Big Red. I can't think of his name. Um, a Saturday morning's pin, which is like a little spoon with a flag and like a fake cereal bowl. Which, now that I'm thinking, I don't know if I got my pin. Um, and then it, it's a Looney Tunes t-shirt with bugs on it. And it's the newer style bugs, at least, from what it looks like. And he's eating a, he's eating a carrot. He's going, uh, what's up, Doc? That was a terrible impression. But that's it for Nick's Nerd News this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. A little longer than usual, I understand, but that's because I wanted to talk about Tony Hawk and and um, Marvel's Avengers as much as possible for you guys today. Unfortunately, it pushed some topics that I wanted to talk about, but those are some pretty deep ones, and those are going to have some deep conversations as well. And, and I just didn't want to take up too much of your time as we already approach almost an hour and a half. But uh, thank you guys for listening week in, week out. As always, check out nicksnerdnews.com where you can listen to the show right in your browser 
or you can find links to our Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify pages. While you're there, check out our social tab so you can see all of our social media pages as well. We have Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, all under Nick's Nerd News. Post a lot of funny memes that uh, I find places and like to share with everybody. But other than that, thanks again for listening. I will catch you guys on the flip side.